All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Final Final Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. My favorite episode to do every year, my mock draft leading into the first round of the NFL Draft, April 29th. This will be an episode all about the draft, including my final thoughts at the end of the episode, so I'm very excited. couple points I'd like to make before starting and sharing my mock draft here. I don't project trades in my mock draft as the math changes for some teams in terms of capital between which pick, uh, how much is this pick worth, and stuff like that, mostly based on, uh, on, on how some teams do it differently. So I think uh, that's why I tend to stay away from uh, trades in my mock drafts. And then also, I make my picks for these mock drafts based mostly on what I think the team should do given their situations. You'll see the first example of this by what I mean when we come to picks three and four in my mock draft, and I'll explain my reasoning. I do incorporate some rumors in my decision-making, but until the pick is actually made, you never know what a team is actually going to do from from whether they're sending out a smoke screen by saying we like this guy or not. So that's why I just go off of my own reasoning and decisions when it comes to a mock draft like this. Nobody really knows until the time comes and the pick is in. But anyways, that's all I wanted to make sure that's clear at the start of this episode. Let's go ahead and get started then. Some of the analysis you hear me talk about as well is not all mine. I read some from the professionals in the industry and some of the scouts from teams, their analysis on some players. Some of it's mine, but not all of it is mine as well. So make sure you sit back and enjoy. Please feel free as well to disagree when your favorite team gets mocked with a player that you don't like because, of course, that is the best part about mock draft season. So we'll go ahead and get started. The first pick in this year's draft belongs to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I love making sure I get to use this sound as well for this episode. So with the first pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars are taking Trevor Lawrence. This pick has been pretty straightforward and unanimous and obvious since Trevor Lawrence burst onto the scene at Clemson as a true freshman quarterback for Clemson, of course. Urban Meyer can't ask for much better a situation to start your NFL head coaching career. Trevor Lawrence has been compared to the likes of John Elway and Andrew Luck in terms of a prospect coming out of college, being a surefire number one overall pick. I mean, his his college resume and tape kind of speak for themselves. Now what Jacksonville has to make sure they do is they don't waste this fantastic player in this fantastic ability that they have that they'll get on their team. They can't waste it by not giving him the right protection on the offensive line, giving him the right amount of weapons in terms of wide receiver and running back. They got to make sure they surround him so that he can have a long, successful career and that it will be with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, they don't want him leaving after five, six, seven years or something like that. They want to make sure he can stay in Jacksonville, have a long career and a winning career that be it. All right, the second pick in the 2021 NFL draft, my mock draft here, the New York Jets. I have them taking Zach Wilson, quarterback out of BYU. So the Jets, they recently, we talked about it last week, they traded away Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers, giving them and Darnold a fresh start here. They have a new head coach in Robert Sala, new offensive coordinator in Mike LaFleur. And that obviously means it's time for a new quarterback as well. They get to build around Zach Wilson now. Honestly, this is uh, this. The Jets are in the same kind of scenario as they were when they drafted Sam Darnold three years ago. They get 
Wilson, who just has tons of talent. He's been dazzling people this offseason with some of his off-balance throws, throwing across his body. It's just the, the throwing that he can do when he's not on just a stable platform. A lot of people comparing it to Aaron Rodgers. He's able to make all those kind of throws. But the Jets are in the same situation that they were three years ago, two years ago, three years ago now when they drafted Sam Darnold third overall. They can't make the same mistake again. They have to surround him with protection up front on the offensive line and weapons on the outside. Same thing that the Jaguars have to do. The Jets have to make sure they're not in three years when they have a new head coach, Robert Sala's gone, Mike LaFleur's gone, that they aren't picking another another quarterback in the top five. You don't want that. They have to be able to protect Zach Wilson. Obviously, this is going to be a quarterback after trading away Sam Darnold, and it looks like all eyes, ears, everything are pointing towards Zach Wilson being that pick. Jets can't screw this one up now by they have to give him the weapons surrounding him to have him be successful in New York. All right, the third pick, this is where it starts to get interesting. The San Francisco 49ers, they traded up from pick 12 all the way up to pick 3, giving up multiple first-round picks. You don't give up that kind of draft capital without going for a quarterback position. In my opinion, I think they should take Justin Fields here at pick number three. Now, this is where I was just talking about before earlier when I said I'd, I'd base it off of what I think the team should make, what pick they should take. A lot of rumors, it could be smokescreen, has been swirling that the 49ers have settled on either Mac Jones. I believe 80% of the people say it's going to be Mac Jones. Maybe the other 20 or 15% say it's going to be Trey Lance, the quarterback out of North Dakota State, and then maybe like a 5% chance that it's going to be Justin Fields. I think it has to be Justin Fields. I mean, you've seen this guy perform at the highest level at Ohio State. He has the athleticism. He's got the the arm strength as well. He's got the high IQ to run Kyle Shanahan's offense. And he's also got the most upside, I think, of all these quarterbacks outside of possibly Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. He's got way more upside, I think, than Mac Jones. And I think he even has more upside than Trey Lance, who is someone that a lot of people are going to be drafting on, or whoever gets him is going to be drafting on some potential that this kid has because we haven't seen him play a ton. I even think Justin Fields has more of a higher ceiling or of, of a yeah higher ceiling than Trey Lance as well. I think Justin Fields can come in and be the starter day one for Kyle Shanahan if he wants. He doesn't have to be. They still have Jimmy Garoppolo. But if you bring in Justin Fields, it allows them to move off of Garoppolo this year. If they draft Trey Lance, I don't think they move off of Jimmy Garoppolo right away this year. If they draft Mac Jones, they could also move off of Jimmy Garoppolo. But you're not getting as much potential with Mac Jones as you are with Justin Fields. Mac Jones, I'm not saying he's tapped out right now in terms of what his ceiling could be for a prospect. But I think Justin Fields is just a much better prospect and you you trade it all the way up to three for a quarterback that's why I think San Francisco has to go with Justin Fields here with the third pick and all right pick number four now the Atlanta Falcons this is really where the draft starts in my opinion as the Falcons can go in so many different directions with this fourth overall pick they can trade back if a team really wants to grab one of these top five quarterbacks that everybody's talking about Trevor Lawrence Zach Wilson Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and Mac Jones. They can trade back. They can take a generational prospect at tight end in Kyle Pitts. Everybody's talking about this guy as if he's a Hall of Famer already, hasn't even taken a snap on the field yet. Or 
they can take a quarterback of their own with a team. I mean, who knows when the Falcons will be drafting in the top five again with so many strong quarterback options here with the top five options that I just named. In my opinion, I think they take quarterback Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. Another thing, so right here, this is another one where a lot of people are saying Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida, is going to be going to the Atlanta Falcons. I think the Falcons should go with a quarterback here. And, and we've heard that their owner, Arthur Blank, has been putting a little pressure on the team to draft a quarterback with this number four overall pick. He's in the same mindset as me where who knows if we'll be drafting in the top five with just such a strong quarterback class ever again or in the near future again. They got a new head coach in Arthur Smith, just came over from the Tennessee Titans. A lot of people think this pick is going to be Kyle Pitts. I think it should be Trey Lance. You can have Trey Lance sit behind Matt Ryan for two years. He's about to turn... 36 in like maybe a couple of weeks actually i mean we have been seeing quarterbacks play longer and longer but i mean they just did regress the atlanta falcons you have two years to groom trey lance and then you can move off of matt ryan's huge contract and you'll have trey lance as your future franchise quarterback on kind of an aging roster for the atlanta falcons so that's the direction that i think the falcons should go with the fourth overall pick this also four quarterbacks with the first four overall picks that would be the first time in NFL history that we would have four quarterbacks taken with the first four overall picks. We've had it twice where quarterbacks have been taken with the first three picks. I think it was, was it the year 2000 or it was either 2000 or 1999 where Donovan McNabb was the second quarterback taken and he was the only notable one there. And then I think it was 1971 possibly was the other time. And I believe Archie Manning was one of the three quarterbacks there. But so it's only happened twice that quarterbacks have gone one two and three that's going to happen again this year that's pretty much a given at this point will we see quarterback go one two three four with the falcons taking trey lance in my mock draft i have them taking him here and i think it's the move because who knows if you'll be able in this position again to grab a franchise quarterback and still you don't want it you don't want to have to have a couple losing seasons before you get your next franchise quarterback the Packers are going with that route by drafting Jordan Love last year I mean you see the Bears are in purgatory with quarterback they haven't been able to find that guy after moving off of Mitch Trubisky this offseason as well the Falcons have a chance to be able to groom their next franchise quarterback with a new head coach an aging starting quarterback and Matt Ryan a former MVP we'll see if that's the route they decide to go but all right we get to the fifth pick here I love that. The Cincinnati Bengals. Now, I think if it plays out like this with the top four picks being quarterbacks, the Bengals are just going to be jumping for joy because they're just going to have their pick of whether the top wide receiver, the top tight end, or maybe the top player, or the top offensive tackle at number five here. I think if it falls this way, where it goes the first four quarterbacks, the Bengals will take Kyle Pitts tight end out of Florida. There's, there's no player that's been hyped up as much as Kyle Pitts this offseason. And it's for good reason. They're calling him, like I mentioned, a potential Hall of Famer already. Seems a little bit unfair to him. But nevertheless, he seems he's incredibly talented. The best pass catcher, regardless of position, tight end or wide receiver in this draft. In Cincinnati, like I said, they'll have the choice whether to get Burrow Pitts or protect him with an offensive lineman like Penny Sewell from Oregon. I think with such a strong offensive tackle class there's a bunch of top tier offensive tackles the Bengals pick early in round two as well I think they can take a weapon 
like Kyle Pitts. There's no other tight end in the draft anywhere near the caliber that he is. He's not just a tight end either. He can line up at wide receiver. He can line up in the slot. And of course, he can line up in line like a tight end. But there's no other player in the draft like Kyle Pitts. I think you take Pitts here at five. You can get a starting caliber offensive tackle early in the second round. That's why I think you have to grab a weapon like Kyle Pitts here at number five if the draft plays out how I have it with quarterback going one, two, three, and four. All right. Then with the sixth pick, the Miami Dolphins, remember they had the third pick originally traded back to 12 with the 49ers, then moved back up to six with the Philadelphia Eagles, and that was most likely to grab one of these top-tier weapons. And I have them taking Jamar Chase, the wide receiver, out of LSU. He could have been the number one receiver in last year's loaded class, and of course he's the number one receiver in this year's loaded class of wide receivers. Once again, he's so aggressive after the catch, breaking tackles, making defenders miss. He'll be Tua Tagovailoa's best friend, and Tua needs more weapons. And the Dolphins, they they traded back into the top 10, I think, to grab one of the better weapons in, in recent draft history. Some people are calling him a faster Michael Thomas from the New Orleans Saints. I mean, he's he's in, he's really he opted out of the this past season, but watching him even alongside Justin Jefferson and Terrence Marshall, who we'll get to later in this mock draft, he stood out playing with players like that. So Tua Tagovailoa now has a new number one target to go along with. Devontae Parker will still be there. Will Fuller after he serves his one game suspension, and Mike Gesicki at the tight end spot, rounding out to be a pretty good core on the offense for Tua to work with in his second season. So that's where I think the Miami Dolphins will go with that sixth overall pick. Then at seven, we have the Detroit Lions. I have them taking a wide receiver as well. Devontae Smith, the wide receiver out of Alabama. After trading away Matt Stafford to the Rams, losing Kenny Galladay to the Giants in free se- in free agency, excuse me, free season. The Lions are in full rebuild mode at this point. They have new head coach Dan Quinn. They have a new general manager as well. Not Dan Quinn, I'm sorry. It's Dan Campbell is their new head coach from the Saints. They're in full rebuild mode. They're in a position to take the best player available regardless of what he plays, including quarterback. So if one of those top four guys they like up there, they could take one of those top four even after getting back Jared Goff in that Rams trade with Matthew Stafford. I think Devontae Smith, though, is the guy for the Lions. Gives Jared Goff, who still, in my opinion, is a serviceable quarterback. You don't have to reach for a quarterback in if, if one of those top four or five falls. Gives, gives Goff an A-plus weapon on the offense to start the rebuild. And it doesn't matter that Devontae Smith only weighs like 170 pounds. Me and him weigh like the same almost at this point. But, I mean, you saw what he did in college in the SEC the best conference in foot, in college football. We can't deny it right now at this point. But 170 pounds, he still went out and won the Heisman Trophy for best college football player last year. I mean, his route running is unmatched. That's how he gets separation, and it doesn't matter who you have matched up on him. Um, but I think it makes him a close second in this year's draft class of wide receivers. In a wide receiver room of Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddell, who we'll talk about in a second as well, Devontae Smith was probably the best wide receiver of those four. That's four first-round wide receivers right there. Devontae Smith was probably the best. I don't want to hear about his size. I mean, it, it, it might be a problem when he takes a big hit now and then. I think he'll put on some weight 
when he gets into an NFL training program as well. But, I mean, just the talent that this guy has, I think uh, this will be a really good start for a rebuild for the Detroit Lions. They can go any number of directions that they want. They can trade down if a team... This is a this is a spot where a team could trade up and grab one of those top five quarterbacks, whether it be Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. It seems most likely that Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson are going to go one two. Then the 49ers are going to have their choice at quarterback at number three. But it'll be between Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and Mac Jones. One of them is going to slip past four, five, six. This is where teams might start to look to trade up with the Detroit Lions as they gather more picks for this rebuild. But since I don't mock trades, I have the Lions taking Devontae Smith at seven here. And then that leads us to the Carolina Panthers with pick number eight. They recently traded for Sam Darnold. And they also just today, this came down maybe like an hour ago, traded away Teddy Bridgewater to the Denver Broncos. So we'll talk about that with the next pick in the Broncos at number nine. But Recently traded for Sam Darnold. I think that takes them out of the quarterback conversation for this year at least. They're going to want to see what Sam Darnold can do. I have the Carolina Panthers taking Penny Sewall, the offensive tackle for Oregon. Darnold still has his fifth-year option available for the Panthers, but now they need to upgrade that offensive line to protect him. We saw how much he got hit in New York with the Jets. They couldn't protect Sam Darnold to save their lives. Even now... With the Carolina Panthers, he's got all these new weapons. He's got Robbie Anderson. He's got Christian McCaffrey. He's got DJ Moore. He's got all these guys that he can get the ball to that will help him a bunch, but he's going to need time to get the ball to them. Penny Sewell won the Outland Trophy for college football's best offensive lineman as a sophomore. He opted out for the 2020 season due to COVID. If it weren't for four quarterbacks going with the first four picks, I think Sewell would easily land in the top five of this draft. I think this is a must for the Carolina Panthers to build a wall around Sam Darnold to really be able to evaluate him fully and see what they have there at quarterback. So I think Penny Sewell, offensive tackle Oregon to the Carolina Panthers at eight. He falls a little bit because of those first four quarterbacks taken one, two, three, and four. If a Kyle Pitts doesn't fall down to the Bengals. Penny Sewell could go up all the way to number five in the top five to the Bengals and protect Joe Burrow. We'll see. If maybe a team will trade up for a guy like this as well, we've heard rumors of the Chargers possibly trying to get into the top 10 and grab Justin, Herber, Justin Herbert's former left tackle teammate at Oregon, but we'll see. But all right, that takes us to... The Denver Broncos at number nine, like I just mentioned, the news came down that they traded for Teddy Bridgewater from the Carolina Panthers, only a six-round pick. We'll get into more of that in a little bit, but they'll have a quarterback competition between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. They've also said that this doesn't take them out of the quarterback race. If maybe a Justin Fields, a Trey Lance, a Mac Jones is the guy that they like, They can still draft a guy like that. I don't think they will with these two. I think they're going to let them battle it out. I also think, and I think Drew Locke might end up winning it. I think he needs at least another year in this offense with a healthy receiving core. Cortland Sutton will come back. Jerry Judy and him can get on the same page. K.J. Hamler can stay healthy. With those three wide receivers and Melvin Gordon in the backfield, and then you've got Noah Fant at tight end, I think if they have a healthy year, then you can evaluate the quarterback position and see if Drew Locke is the guy going forward. But they're going to push him with Teddy Bridgewater there. 
So I'm taking them out of the quarterback conversation. Rumors have it that they're still a part of it, but I have them taking Micah Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State. He can play inside linebacker. He can play. He can rush the passer as well. He's a three-down linebacker, stays on the field, no doubt about it. He flies all over the field. This guy is so fast. He can solve a lot of problems in the middle of their defense with the addition of Micah Parsons. And this linebacking core is getting a little old. Von Miller has been rumored to be in trading uh, discussion as well, coming off of an injury season. So we'll see. I think Micah Parsons, though, is a good fit in Vic Fangio's defense. That's where I have the Broncos going with pick number nine. Pick number 10 then, we go on a run here of three straight NFC East teams, starting with the Dallas Cowboys. I have them taking Patrick Sertan, the second cornerback out of Alabama. This has to be a defensive player for the Cowboys, in my in my opinion. They signed Dak Prescott to his long-term deal. Their offensive line should be healthy to start the year. They could go offensive line here, but I think they have so many holes on the defense that they have to go there. They got the great trio of wide receivers. They'll put up plenty of points. Don't worry about that. Now they need to be able to stop opposing offenses. They'll get a number one shutdown corner in Sertan here. They could go in any direction on defense, but I think you get a lot of value with the top. There's a lot of great corners in this draft. They could go Patrick Sertan. They could go J.C. Horn as well, who they've been uh, in connection with. But I think Patrick Sertan line him up opposite of Trayvon Diggs, his former Alabama teammate. You kind of uh, solidify your corner spots there, and they need a number one corner in that <laughs> NFC East division. That takes us then to the New York Giants at pick 11. I have them taking Jalen Phillips, defensive end out of Miami. That's the first pass rusher here. They The Giants looked primed to take one of those top three receivers in this draft, but then they went out and signed Kenny Galladay. So I think they're pretty good at receiver then. Here's the weapons now around Daniel Jones. He'll have Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram at the tight end position, and then it looks like the news today, Saquon Barkley looks like he'll be ready for week one. So I think they can address some of their holes on defense, number one being pass rusher. Jalen Phillips, he's a powerful pass rusher, has immense upside as well, which is what the Giants need at the position. It's a, it's a pretty weak draft class for pass rushers. So the Giants want to make sure they get one of the top guys early in the draft here at pick 11. Phillips had a little bit of health scares back when he used to play for UCLA. So the, the Giants will have to make sure all that checks out. But if it does, um, they could get a phenomenal pass rusher here at number 11 in Jalen Phillips. And then our last of the three in a row of the NFC East teams, pick number 12 is the Philadelphia Eagles. They traded back from six with the Miami Dolphins in that whole, this was originally the 49ers pick, but here I have them taking Jalen Waddell, the other wide receiver out of Alabama. They traded back with the Dolphins and still land one of the top pass catchers in this draft. In this scenario, the, the, the Eagles are ecstatic with how the draft board has fallen. They can either grab one of the top wide receivers in Jalen Waddell, like I have them doing here, or they can draft one of the top corners, both immense needs for this team. I have them giving Jalen Hurts another weapon to work with. Waddle has been shooting up draft boards. He's been compared to Tyreek Hill with his straight line speed and his ability to shake defenders once he gets the ball in his hand. Back-to-back -back years drafting a receiver in the first round for the Eagles, though, but Waddle is the type of receiver that every team wants on their roster. I mean, we've seen Tyreek Hill 
just open up games, 200 yards in one quarter, three touchdowns in one half. Jalen Waddell has that kind of potential, they're saying, about him. So I think giving Jalen Hurts that kind of weapon on the offense is uh, something that he they absolutely need to do, and, and they do in this scenario here. All right, and then pick 13. The Los Angeles Chargers going offensive tackle Rashawn Slater out of North Western. I think the Chargers would absolutely be excited about this as well if Rashawn Slater fell to them at pick 13. I mean, I mentioned it before. Justin Herbert has been lobbying for a reunion with his former two teammate, Penny Sual, but the, the Chargers get a nice consolation prize in offensive lineman 1B in this class, I would say, in Rashawn Slater. I mean, Herbert's coming off of his rookie campaign, and just imagine how much better he could be without so much pressure in his face. And I mean, the Chargers have already upgraded their offensive line a little bit, signing the best center in football through free agency and Corey Lindsley, but now they need someone to protect his blind side, and that's where Slater comes in. They could have Slater on the left tackle, Corey Lindsley in the middle, Brian Balaga still at the right tackle spot. I mean, Slater, the way he's able to get out of his stance and, and so quickly makes it easy for him to uh, make up for some some measurables that people are concerned about. Doesn't necessarily have the arm length and the size for a left tackle, but his play really makes up for it. And I think the, char- the Chargers could have their blindside protector for their franchise quarterback for years to come in a guy like Rashawn Slater. And then now I'm going to go back-to-back offensive tackles here with the Minnesota Vikings picking 14. I have them taking Christian Derrissaw, offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech. They haven't been able to figure out their left tackle position for a while now, and the Vikings need some help on that offensive line to protect Kirk Cousins' blind side. Derrissaw can come in and immediately fill that need. He also has a nasty presence in the running game, which is perfect for the Vikings, who have one of the best running backs in football when healthy in Delvin Cook. So, I mean, he also only gave up one sack, three quarterback pressures all last season, which I'm sure something Kirk Cousins will surely appreciate if they uh, end up going this route with Christian Derrissaw. So I go back-to-back offensive tackles with the Chargers and the Vikings here. And then pick 15, the New England Patriots. Quarterback Mac Jones out of Alabama. Our fifth quarterback comes off the board in all five in the first half of this draft. I actually think the Patriots or anyone else that wants one of these top five of Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and Mac Jones will have to trade up into the top ten to grab one of these quarterbacks. But like I said, for this exercise, Jones falls here to the Patriots at 15. I mean, the Patriots, they addressed a lot of needs that they had this offseason in a spending spree. They signed two receivers, two tight ends, an edge rusher, a cornerback. They traded for an offensive tackle. You name it, they went and tried to upgrade it in free agency. So now they need to address the long-term situation at quarterback. They still have Cam Newton. Now they get a long-term solution for it with Mac Jones here at 15. The reason I have Jones as my fifth quarterback, I mentioned it before, I don't see him having as much potential as the other quarterbacks, and that is not a knock on him by any means. But when prospects are this close, when grading them like this, quarterbacks are like after Lawrence. I mean, you have to go down to the small details, and that is how good are they now and how much better can they get. I'm not sure how much better Jones can get, and it's because of his athletic build. He's not as athletic 
as Justin Fields or Trey Lance. He's not going to be one of those guys that can necessarily escape and scramble for 20 yards or in a first down and something like that. So that's something that you have to take into consideration. He's definitely the most accurate quarterback in this draft class, which is why teams have liked him and linked him to the 49ers at pick number three. But here I think he falls down to 15. He'll, I think he'll still be going in the top 10. Someone will have to trade up for him to get him. But uh, this is where I have him falling to the New England Patriots at 15. Still a really great quarterback, no doubt about it. You saw the special season that he had at Alabama this past year, having the undefeated national championship year. We'll see if he can uh, replicate some of that in the NFL as well. A really good quarterback, but I have him going to New England at 15 here. All right, halfway point. Arizona Cardinals here at 16. I have them taking J.C. Horn, the cornerback out of South Carolina. This is the the cornerback. It could go Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn as the first one off the board. The Cardinals look like a team ready to take the next step to the playoffs. They signed J.J. Watt, A.J. Green in the offseason. Malcolm Butler traded for uh, a former Pro Bowl center in Rodney Hudson. And now it's Kyler Murray's third year in the league. This team is ready. They need a new number one cornerback after letting Patrick Peterson walk in free agency. And they get it right here in J.C. Horn. Horn is big, fast. He's a physical corner. He gets his hands on, on a lot of wide receivers, draws a lot of flags. So once he cleans that up a little bit, he could easily come out of this draft as the best corner. But he's one of those big corners that every team loves, and this is a perfect matchup for guys, say, DK Metcalf, who they see twice a year. So I see the Cardinals going in this direction after losing a Patrick Peterson in the offseason as well. All right, pick number 17 now. I love using this sound. The Las Vegas Raiders, I have them taking Elijah Vera Tucker, the offensive guard out of USC. The Raiders had a little bit of a fire sale, actually, going on with their offensive line this offseason, which has been one of the best for the past couple of years protecting Derek Carr. I mean, they traded away Trent Brown. They traded him to the Patriots. They traded Rodney Hudson. I just mentioned that to the Cardinals. They released a guard in Gabe Jackson. So they need to start to rebuild this offensive line. And Vera Tucker is a fantastic start with that. I mean, Mel Kuyper Jr. and Daniel Jeremiah see Tucker as a top-tier prospect at guard, uh, similar to what they see in, in Zach Martin on the Cowboys, a perennial pro bowler. Um, he's also been seen as one of the safer picks in this draft. I mean, he ex- so when he played at USC, he started off at guard, was excellent there. Then they needed him at left tackle, and he really showed off what he can do. They, people think that when he gets back to the NFL, a move to guard would be even better for him, but he can play left tackle if the Raiders need him to. He's got that kind of versatility. But Vera Tucker is considered one of the safer picks in this draft, and the Raiders could absolutely use a safe pick on the offensive line considering the offseason they had there. All right, the Miami Dolphins at pick number 18, their second pick in this first round. I think they got to go and upgrade their pass rush a little bit give themselves some depth at the position after losing one of their tap pass rushers to cap cuts this year. I mean, the, the Dolphins didn't have a pass rusher with double-digit sacks, so they need some depth if they're not going to have a go-to guy, say like a Chandler Jones on the Cardinals or a Khalil Mack, something like that. you got to have multiple guys that can get after the quarterback. Quiddy Pay, the defensive end out of Michigan, is who I have them going with. He's raw, but he has a lot of upside and with help from, from pro coaching, some of these scouts think he could be the best pass rusher by far in this class. 
the thing with 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 Quiddy Pay, he only had I believe twelve sacks in three or four seasons at Michigan. But the problem was Michigan moved him all over the place. They had him playing defensive end, defensive tackle in the middle. They had him playing some outside linebacker. I think some with some consistency at playing one position in the NFL, that will really help him excel, and then he can work on his craft a little bit more. Also, he has the motor and the work ethic where he just doesn't quit once he's on the field. So I think this could pay off huge for the Miami Dolphins in the middle of the first round. Like I said, not a very strong pass rushing class. Probably only two, maybe three or four pass rushers are going to be drafted in this class. Quiddy Pay, Jalen Phillips are two of the better ones, and we'll see where they end up going in this first round. All right, then the Washington football team. Pick number 19 for them. They would love it if one of those top five quarterbacks were to fall to them all the way down here at 19. They could still try to trade up into the top 10 for one, but in this scenario, they upgrade their middle linebacker spot, in my opinion, with Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. I believe I pronounced that name right. But anyways, he's a linebacker out of Notre Dame. The Washington football team is, on a side note here, isn't it time for an actual name this offseason, please? I mean, goodness, all of last season trying to just rem- just keep calling them the Washington football team. I think it's time that they get an actual name on this team now. But anyways, they have quite possibly the best front four in all of football with Chase Young, Deron Payne, the Alabama boys up in the middle. They also have Ryan Kerrigan still on that team. Now they add a ton of speed and athleticism behind those four or five guys up front in Koromoa. He can easily be a three-down linebacker. He can cover anyone coming out of the backfield. He can also play that hybrid safety if Washington needs him to, kind of similar to that Isaiah Simmons role that we saw the Cardinals draft last year. Koromoa can be that type of player for the Washington football team. Keep an eye on Washington, though. Trading up for a quarterback, though, in the, if the first few start to slip past that eight or nine picks, Washington could move up and look for their long-term replacement at the quarterback position. Then we get to pick 20, the Chicago Bears. Pretty similar situation as the Washington football team. They haven't figured out their quarterback spot yet. They're going with Andy Dalton on a one-year deal. They could try to trade up for their future franchise quarterback or try to grab a future franchise quarterback. You're never guaranteed. I mean, we saw how that played out with Mitchell Trubisky, who is no longer on the team, now the backup in Buffalo. But for now, we're not having the Chicago Bears trade up. Let's help out Andy Dalton on the offense as much as we can. We saw him in Dallas last year with abundance of weapons in Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Zeke Elliott, Michael Gallup. He wasn't half bad in that Dallas offense. So if we can give him more weapons with the Chicago Bears, maybe they can have a little bit of success. We're going with Kadarius Tooney, the wide receiver out of Florida. He's explosive, putting him alongside Allen Robinson who was placed on that one-year franchise tag. Tooney is very explosive out of his stance. He can also be a threat vertically. He can be used in a lot of different ways as well if you need him on special teams in terms of a punt returner, a kick returner. You remember they just lost Cordero Patterson to the Atlanta Falcons this year, so Cardarius Tooney can fill that number two wide receiver role, help out Andy Dalton a lot, can also be that special team threat in terms of a punt returner if they need him to be. The Bears need some more weapons on offense. They could go in a a multitude of directions, the Bears here. They need help at cornerback after losing Kyle Fuller in free agency. They also need to figure out their offensive line, similar 
to the Minnesota Vikings. They need to, to figure out more consistency on that offensive line. But I think they get Andy Dalton another weapon since they won't be in the range of one of those top five quarterbacks this year. So I think Cardarius Tooney is the route to go. All right, we're into the 20s now. Pick number 21, the Indianapolis Colts. I have them taking Tevin Jenkins, offensive tackle out of Oklahoma State. The Colts don't want to make the same mistake that the Eagles did with Carson Wentz. I mean, Wentz last year with the Eagles got sacked 50 times in just 12 games. I mean, the Colts also just had their left tackle, Anthony Costanzo. He retired this year, so the Colts should address this position early. Jenkins from Oklahoma State could be the great fit here. He could be their new left tackle. He can, You can put him at right tackle and move your right tackle to left tackle. He can play both tackle spots. And the thing about him, too, he's probably the best run-blocking tackle in this year's draft, which is something the Colts will want to do a lot of with Carson Wentz easing him in. They have second-year running, second year standout running back, Jonathan Taylor, coming off his first 1,000-yard season. This makes a ton of sense for the Colts. Keep that offensive line one of the best units in all of football. Drafting Tevin Jenkins, you can put him right next to perennial all-pro Quentin Nelson on that offensive line. Keep that unit intact. Keep it one of the best units in football. All right, pick 22. The Tennessee Titans select Caleb Farley the cornerback out of Virginia Tech. I mean, Titans have quite a few positions that they could go with here. Wide receiver is a big one after losing Corey Davis in free agency. But the value of Caleb Farley dropping this far due to offseason back surgery is really too good to pass up. I mean, Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay all agree that Farley could possibly have been the best corner in this draft. But because of his injury concerns and, and his back surgeries that he's had this offseason, have kind of contributed to his fall. I mean, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network even views him as one of the top five players in this entire draft, regardless of position. That's how talented Caleb Farley can be. And Farley fits a need for the Titans as well. They lost Malcolm Butler, Adoree Jackson, Desmond King to free agency. I mean, we'll see if if this pays off for the Titans because he might not be ready at the start of the season. We saw how this paid off for them when they took Jeffrey Simmons, another top five player. This is Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive tackle, now a standout defensive tackle for the Titans, a top five player, dropped to the mid-20s for the Titans. They took him, had him wait a whole year, his rookie season. Now he's one of the better defensive tackles in football. Same situation for the Titans here with Caleb Farley. A lot of teams could be looking to trade up for a guy like this as well. I mean, we've heard rumors with the Saints. I mean, the Packers could be in a position to trade up for Farley. This guy is, if he falls into these later teens, watch out. This is going to be a guy that a lot of people are going to want come later in the draft, I think. All right, pick 23 then. Got the New York Jets. I think they go running back here in Travis Etienne. Like I said, with the first round pick, or with their first overall pick, Zach Wilson, they need to get this guy some offensive help. They don't want to make the same mistake with Sam Darnold by not giving him weapons. How about a shiny new running back so they don't have to rely on the ageless wonder of Frank Gore? I mean, it's great that Frank Gore is still in the NFL. I love when Frank Gore scores touchdowns and and, and gets 50 or even goes over 100 yards in a game. You just get to talk about the longevity of his career. But they need some explosive weapons coming out of that backfield. And Travis Etienne is absolutely that. I mean, he can score a touchdown every time he touches the ball. 
he's just they consider him a home run threat anytime the ball is in his hand you can hand it off to him in the backfield he can be the safety net for Zach Wilson dumping it off when uh, the pressure gets to him or he can't find anyone down the field I think this is a great pick for the Jets get Zach Wilson some help with some weapons on offense they signed Corey Davis in free agency now get him a new running back that's not 10,000 years old in Frank Gore. I mean, he looks the same. Frank Gore is almost, what is he, like 35, 36 or whatever now? Maybe closer to 40. I have no idea. But he looks the same as when he first came into the draft. It's hilarious. But I think they need an upgrade at the running back spot, and Travis Etienne can be that guy. This could also be a spot to upgrade their offensive line. But here I think we get Zach Wilson, a new running back, and Travis Etienne. Pick 24 then, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, for a team last year that started off 11-0, the Steelers sure do have a lot of needs that they have to address. I mean, they lost three starting offensive linemen. They lost their starting running back, leaving in free agency. Their star pass rusher, uh, opposite of TJ Watt, is gone. Also, they need a succession plan for Big Ben. But what I'm going to do here, I'm going to start them off with a player that can possibly ease a few of those holes. That's Najee Harris running back out of Alabama. I mean, Harris is viewed by many as the top running back in this draft class for his all-around abilities, breaking tackles, speed, the way he can catch the ball out of the backfield, his decisiveness. He hits a hole and he goes. I mean, the athleticism too. We've seen multiple hurdles from him last year on Alabama's championship run. I think what Najee Harris can do, obviously he fills that need at running back. Boom, that's no longer a worry. I mean, offensive line, it's a deep class for offensive linemen. They can find some later in this draft. But also with Najee Harris, he's going to be able to break tackles, make up for some of the deficiencies that the offensive line has. The the Steelers still need to address that, still need to fix it. It's not like you can't put anyone in front of him and he'll still be able to get five, six yards of carry. He's going to need help. But I think also with Harris is he can help Big Ben out a ton. So Ben Roethlisberger, the Steelers, don't rely on Ben to throw it 50 times a game anymore. I mean, he was doing that last year. He's had the elbow surgeries recently. I think they need to, to, to get away from that, relying on Ben Roethlisberger to throw it 50, I mean, we've 60 times, but at least have him throw in the moderate 30 range, no longer creeping up into that 40 and 50. Najee Harris can be that new cowbell running back, similar to a lot of people are actually comparing him to his former Steeler, Le'Veon Bell. So I think this would be a great pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers here at 24. All right, 25. Jacksonville Jaguars select Trayvon Morig, the safety out of TCU. Now, I said the Jaguars should address weapons on the offense to surround Trevor Lawrence, but they have the first pick in the second round, pick 33, where I think they can take a really a top-tier wide receiver there at that pick. There's a lot of wide receivers in this class. It's another deep wide receiver class, just like last year. But I don't think you're going to be able to find another guy like Trayvon Morig in this draft. I mean, at this point, too, it's just great value to grab a safety like this. He can play center field, kind of be that guy that doesn't let anything get behind him. But also, he, I mean, in, in terms of the, like, the deep ball, he'll be able to break those up. Nothing's going to get behind him. He'll make sure to be the last line of defense. But he can also come up and be a willing tackler. He's really good in open space making tackles on, on someone that gets past that second level. So I think Trayvon Morig is just an excellent value pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars here at pick number 25. Pick number 26. Excuse me. The Cleveland Browns 
I have them taking Jameen Davis, linebacker out of Kentucky. Cleveland looks like right now one of the most complete rosters in the NFL on paper. <laughs> but Davis gives them a big upgrade at that middle linebacker spot to complement that front four of Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, Malik Jackson. Davis has great speed at that middle linebacker spot, great, great closing burst, and is a sure tackler and could be a great fit in Cleveland. He's a three-down linebacker, one of those guys that can cover in the flats, cover running backs coming out of the backfield, cover tight ends as well, which is a big thing in the NFL these days. So I think Jameen Davis, linebacker out of Kentucky, would be a great fit in Cleveland. Pick 27 then, Baltimore Ravens, their first of two picks. I have them taking Terrence Marshall Jr., the wide receiver out of LSU. I mean, and Marshall could just be the wide receiver that Lamar Jackson needs. He's almost six foot three, and can be the guy that Lamar throws it up to in the red zone, and he'll go up and get it. Huge red zone target, and he can be lined up anywhere, which allows the Ravens to try and take advantage of mismatches. And I mean, last year the Ravens had the fewest receiving yards to wide receivers in the NFL, and just because Marshall was overshadowed at LSU by Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson doesn't mean he isn't a top-tier wide receiver. I mean, he had those two guys in front of him. I mean, that just shows you how talented that Joe Burrow and the LSU Tigers were in that 2019-2020 championship season. They had three top-tier wide receivers, and Terrence Marshall Jr. could become Lamar's new number one, which I think he desperately needs along the outside. You could have Terrence Marshall on the outside, Marquise Brown in the slot, or you can still put him on the other outside with the speed that he has. You got Mark Andrews at the tight end spot, and then J.K. Dobbins coming out of the backfield. This is exactly, I think, what the Baltimore Ravens need to help Lamar Jackson get to that next level in his passing. I mean, he's already won an MVP, and he can still get better. So we'll see if that's where the Ravens go at pick 27. Pick 28. The New Orleans Saints, I have them taking Rashad Bateman, another wide receiver, this time out of Minnesota. Looks like the Saints are going to go and see what they have with Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill at quarterback, but they're going to need some help at receiver even if, if, if either of these guys are going to succeed. I don't think either of these guys is going to be the long-term solution for the Saints at quarterback, but they're at pick 28. They're not really in range for one of those top five guys. We'll get to... Uh, a hot take of mine at the end of this episode with this pick but I think Bateman he's a versatile threat for that offense and he's just I think he might he's possibly the best route running wide receiver in this draft class as well I mean he'll be a great compliment to Michael Thomas remember the Saints also lost Emmanuel Sanders and Jared Cook in free agency so behind Michael Thomas and Elvin Kamara they're kind of lacking in that weapons department so if they want Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill to succeed, they're going to need to give them some more weapons. Rashad Bateman takes care of that for them and more. He's going to be a really good wide receiver and excel in that wide receiver two spot, I think, if he ends up with the New Orleans Saints. All right, pick 29. Green Bay Packers. I have them taking Greg Newsom II, cornerback out of Northwestern. Green Bay is in a great position, I think, here to take the best player available. They're trying to run it back from the 2020 season where they were Super Bowl contenders, obviously losing to the eventual champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, they lost Corey Lindsley in free agency, but they may already have his replacement on the team, so that shouldn't force their hand when making a pick. They can go with best player available here at some of the premium positions that they usually go after in the first round. And the, those premium positions are these five spots, the quarterback, 
offensive lineman, defensive tackle, edge rusher, and corner. Those are the five premium positions that the Packers usually address. I think we can take off quarterback from this list, most likely. Um, I think we can take off defensive lineman, defensive tackle as well. It's not a very strong defensive tackle class. You don't want to reach for maybe the best one when he's not a first-round value. So I think that narrows us down to cornerback, to edge rusher, and to offensive lineman. They could look for a long-term solution at right tackle. They could look for more depth at that edge rusher position as Preston Smith is probably on the last year of his deals. Darius Smith hasn't been extended yet. That would just leave you with Rashawn Gary, so they could look for a long-term solution there. Also with cornerback, they only signed Kevin King back on a one-year deal, and that's why I think here with Greg Newsom, he has been a fast riser in this draft. I think that's what makes him the pick here for the Packers at number 29. He's on the taller side, which the Packers like in their corners. They went a little bit outside the norm for them when they took Jair Alexander, but we see how well that worked out. So, I mean, maybe they'll go outside the norm again in terms of cornerback Greg Newsom, but he can be great in both press coverage and zone coverage. He can excel in both. He has the size, the length, and the speed to compete with anyone. And then with Newsom, you don't have to ask him to start right away, but he can. If Kevin King gets injured, we've seen him have his injury problems, or if he starts to regress even more, like we saw towards the end of last season, of course, in the NFC Championship game. But with Greg Newsom and Jair Alexander, the Packers would have their outside of their defense solidified in their secondary for years to come with the likes of Newsom Alexander and then Darnell Savage at that safety spot as well. So I think this would be a great pick for the Packers at 29 in Greg Newsom, the second cornerback out of Northwestern. All right, we're into the 50s now. We got the Buffalo Bills at pick number 30. I have them taking outside linebacker or just we'll call him linebacker, Xavion Collins out of Tulsa. I think if one of the top two running backs were to fall to Buffalo here, I would think that they would try to pounce on either one of them, which is why I think the Jets won't wait until the second round to grab one of those two top running backs in ETN or Najee Harris. But the Bills have other needs in the meantime that we can address, such as the edge rusher, where they're kind of, they were middle of the pack last year in terms of getting after the quarterback, and they're kind of aging at that position. So Xavier Collins can come in, give them depth, and youth at a premium position. He has the versatility as well to rush the passer or play off-ball linebacker. I mean, he was the only player in the FBS last year to have at least four sacks and four interceptions. So the Bills can use him wherever they see necessary. And I think this would just be a great pick for the Buffalo Bills in terms of upgrading their linebacking core, especially if they want to use him to get after the passer. All right, pick number 31. The Baltimore Ravens with their second first-round pick. I have them going offensive tackle, Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan. They get this. The Ravens get this pick, remember, from the Chiefs in that trade where they send Orlando Brown Jr. to Kansas City, which leaves an opening on the Ravens' offensive line. Mayfield may be a little bit raw of an offensive tackle, but he's very consistent in everything he does, and he'll stay attached to defenders once he's locked in, and that's what the Ravens will want for their run-first offense. He can come in, be the day one starting right tackle on the opposite side of Ronnie Stanley, who they expect to come back 
and be their starting left tackle. I think this is the direction. I mean, the Ravens, they have two first-round picks. Maybe they combine the two of them and move up to get even one of those top-tier offensive tackles, maybe with the likes of Tevin Jenkins. Maybe they really like Christian Derisaw if he starts to fall, or even Elijah Vera Tucker. But I think the Ravens will come out of this first round with an offensive tackle in one of their two picks. But in this situation, we get them a number one wide receiver in Terrence Marshall. We get them a new starting offensive tackle in Jalen Mayfield, right tackle, actually, in that case. So I think this is a really great scenario for the Baltimore Ravens and how they could come out of that first round. And then our last pick, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at pick number 32. I have them taking Aziz Ojalare, outside linebacker for Georgia. But the thing about this pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they are returning all 22 of their starters from last year's Super Bowl winning team and a bunch of other contributors that aren't considered starters. That is incredible for a Super Bowl winning team to retain everybody that played a significant role in winning that Super Bowl. And that is terrifying for the rest of the NFL as now Tom Brady will have a full and regular offseason to improve this offense, which is just unreal. So the Buccaneers are in perfect position to take the best player available here, trade back with a team trying to get back into the first round if they want. It's really a luxury for them at this point and to grab a player to help build depth on this team. Here I have them going with Ojalare as the Buccaneers are kind of aging a little bit along that defensive line. Jason Pierre-Paul and the Dominican Sioux. Ojalare can come in, provide some youth. Also, he has an excellent first step in getting out of his stance and uh, ability to control his body stance and staying upright while getting around these offensive linemen. Again, this is a luxury pick for the Buccaneers, which isn't great for the rest of the NFL. As the Super Bowl champs are returning all 22 starters, Antonio Brown, other major contributors. So a lot of different ways that the Buccaneers could go with this pick if they choose to. But that is my 2021 mock draft. I'll do a quick rundown for you right here just to recap the entire thing. So we got Jaguars taking Trevor Lawrence 1, Jets Zach Wilson 2, 3 we got the 49ers taking Justin Fields, 4 the Falcons taking Trey Lance, Bengals taking Kyle Pitts at 5, the Dolphins taking Jamar Chase at 6, the Lions taking Devontae Smith at 7, 8 the Carolina Panthers taking Penny Sewell, 9 the Denver Broncos taking Micah Parsons, 10, the Cowboys taking Patrick Sertan. 11, the Giants taking Jalen Phillips. The Eagles taking Jalen Waddell at 12. The Chargers, Rashawn Slater at 13. 14, we got the Vikings going Christian Derrissaw. The Patriots taking Mac Jones at 15, the fifth quarterback in this draft. The Cardinals taking J.C. Horn at 16. The Las Vegas Raiders going with Elijah Vera Tucker at 17. The Dolphins going with Quiddy Pay at 18. 19, we got the Washington football team with Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa. 20, now, we got the Chicago Bears with Kadarius Tooney. Indianapolis Colts taking Tevin Jenkins at 21. Caleb Farley falling to the Tennessee Titans at 22. The New York Jets and Pittsburgh Steelers going back-to-back. Running back Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. 25, Trayvon Moreg, the safety for the Jacksonville Jaguars. 26, Cleveland Browns taking Jameen Davis. Baltimore Ravens, Terrence Marshall Jr. at 27. Another wide receiver back-to-back here with Rashad Bateman to the Saints at 28. The Packers taking Greg Newsom, the cornerback out of Northwestern. Buffalo Bills, Xavion Collins at 30. 
Ravens, Jalen Mayfield at 31, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Aziz Oljolari at 32. There is my 2021 mock draft. Here's a couple things to keep in mind, too. Possible teams looking to trade up in this draft. The Patriots might have to trade up to get one of those top five quarterbacks. The Washington football team and the Chicago Bears in a similar situation where if they want one of those top five, they're going to have to trade up to get them. So watch for those three teams and see if they're aggressive going after one of those top five quarterbacks. The New Orleans Saints are a team to look at, to trade up. There's been some rumors flying around that they're targeting a secondary player that they really like. They might be trading up for him. And the Green Bay Packers. History shows that Brian Gutekinds likes to trade up in the first round. Once you get into that 20 to 25 range, that's where Gutekinds could trade up where it makes a ton of sense for this team in terms of draft math. So the Packers could be moving up from 29 as well. And here's what's going to be the story coming out of at least this first round of this draft. Where do those top five, top tier quarterbacks end up? We know it's going to be one, two, and three at minimum with Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. Number three, still a mystery in my opinion, should be Justin Fields. But then after that, do the Falcons take one at four? Do the Lions take one at seven? Do the Broncos take one at nine? Do, like I said, the Patriots, Washington football team, or Bears trade up and grab one? We'll see. And what will be the big surprise of round one? I mean, last year, it was the Packers trading up to grab the successor for Aaron Rodgers, their hopeful successor for Aaron Rodgers in Jordan Love. Will we see something that shocking this year in this year's draft in round one? But all right, so that is my 2021 mock draft we'll get to my final thought now on this episode of the final final podcast we got last minute deals before the draft i mentioned teddy bridgewater was traded to denver for a sixth round pick competition now for drew Locke at the quarterback position does this take denver out of the quarterback conversation at pick nine in my opinion unless their favorite quarterback because you know they've done their due diligence on all of the top five quarterbacks if their favorite quarterback, not named Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson, starts to slip and fall to them at nine, then yes. So say their favorite quarterback is Justin Fields and he falls to them at nine, they can take Justin Fields. Other than that, I don't think you just reach for a Mac Jones, a Trey Lance because he's there and he, he's there at nine. I think you have other holes on this roster to fill and now you'll have a quarterback competition between Teddy Bridgewater, who we've seen as a serviceable quarterback, and Drew Locke, who we're not sure what we'll get out of him yet. So I think unless it's their favorite quarterback of, of the top five falls to them at nine, I think quarter, Denver is out of the quarterback conversation. They say they're not, and they shouldn't say that they are. It's like, oh, yeah, no, nope, we're done with a quarterback now. We're good. Definitely wouldn't want to say that and, and tip your hand, but I think this could take them out. It just gives them a lot of options now with that pick at number nine. The other news here, last-minute deal before the draft, Antonio Brown re-signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a one-year, $6.5 million deal. I mentioned this just at the end of my mock draft there, but, I mean, incredible what the Buccaneers have been able to do. Returning all 22 of their starters from a Super Bowl team and then guys like this that contributed majorly, Antonio Brown caught touchdowns in the playoffs. Actually, I think he might even caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl. I mean, guys like Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, their two running backs like that. Tom Brady now has a full offseason. I mean, I think this should make Tampa Bay right now the clear favorite to repeat as Super Bowl champions on paper. 
I mean, what the team hasn't changed, and now they're going to get another full offseason to improve. They're going to be a really scary offense as long as Tom Brady continues to defy Father Time, which it looks like he will so far. But, I mean, on paper, with 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 this team returning all 22 starters and Tom Brady with a full offseason now, it's going to be pretty scary for the rest of the NFL. And all right, we'll get to my final, final thought then here on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Hot takes, predictions, big surprises. I have a couple of hot takes or, or whatever you want to call them for round one of this draft that I'm going to air out right now. I'll go with the four here that I have prepared. Feel free to agree or disagree at your leisure. But here are my four hot takes for the first round of the NFL draft. Number one, there will be a sixth quarterback taken near the end of the first round by one of these three teams. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the New Orleans Saints, or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A couple of these, one of these three guys could sneak in at the end of the first round. Kyle Trask, quarterback out of Florida. Kellen Mond, quarterback out of Texas A&M. Or Davis Mills, quarterback out of Stanford, I believe. I think one of these guys will sneak in at the end of the first round. And I think if they do, it'll be to either the Steelers, the Saints, or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I think we'll have six quarterbacks taken in this first round. Number two, a former All-Pro or Pro Bowl player will be traded on draft night, whether that be Julio Jones with the Atlanta Falcons. There's been talk of him being traded. Stephon Gilmore of the New England Patriots. Could the Patriots move Gilmore to help themselves move into the top 10 and grab one of those top five quarterbacks that they like? Jimmy Garoppolo as well. I know he's not a former All-Pro or Pro Bowl player, but that's another big name that could be moved on draft night if the 49ers decide on that night they get their quarterback. They're, you, know, you know what? We're going to want this guy to be our day one starter. We can get something for Jimmy Garoppolo in this year's draft. So I think a former All-Pro or Pro Bowl player could be traded as well. And then another thing here, here's number three. We'll see more teams try to trade down than trading up. And I know that doesn't make a ton of sense because if one team is trading down, that means one team is trading up. But a lot of teams are going to try to compile more picks in next year's draft is what I'm trying to get at with this prediction because a lot of teams are worried with either the COVID shortened season or opt-outs that they had that this year is a really hard class to try and evaluate and they'll want more picks in next year's draft when everything kind of gets back to normal. Does that kind of make sense in terms of teams trying to stockpile picks in next year's draft? That's kind of what I mean by trading down and gathering more picks for next year. I think we'll see a lot of teams trying to do that in this year's draft. And then lastly, we will see something great in a draft room, in some team's draft room, involving one of the team's family, one of their team's kids, that will go viral and be a part of the headlines from the first round of the draft. I mean, last year we saw all the great interactions between head coaches and their families getting to watch them do the draft from their homes. Not every team is going to be doing that this year. Most get to go back into their buildings because of either getting the vaccine or new protocols or the new testing, everything like that. But I think we'll still see some family members be able to come into the draft room. So I think we'll see something that will go viral, be spectacular, and really cool to see. I mean, last year we had Bill Belichick's dog looking like uh, he was making the picks at Bill Belichick's computer. So I think we'll see something like that in the first round this year once again. All right, those are my four hot takes, bold predictions. Feel free to agree or disagree, but I think we'll see something like this in this year's draft. All right, 
That is all I have for you on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. My favorite episode to do every year. Um, Make sure you check out my other episodes as well. But make sure to stay safe. Enjoy the draft this year. If you watch it, I will be watching it from Las Vegas in the stadium swim pool where they have the massive TVs as I am going to Las Vegas for a bachelor party. I will be safe. Believe me, I want you to be safe as well. Get your vaccines. They're available to everybody. I got my first shot a couple weeks ago. I feel great. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe out there. And that is the final final.